0: Store the back row of the grind house, the furthest regions of celluloid. This is Video Store. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Video Store Nightmares, the podcast where we discuss the strange, the bizarre, and the ectoplasmic films of the VHS era. Tonight, we're talking about another uh, Charles Band, Tim Kincaid-adjacent film, and that is The Empire Pictures' 1986 Necropolis. My name is Luke, and I'm joined by Leland. Leland. Listeners, as of this broadcast, you can
1: find 1986's Necropolis on Amazon Prime for like $5, which might be too much. You can also find it on Full Moon Streaming Service. And uh, if you are listening to this in the distant future, perhaps this will be available on Tubi. But as of now, it is
0: unlisted. So this movie was directed by Bruce Hickey. But... Does it seem similar to the Tim Kincaid films we watched a couple of weeks ago? Which ones were those? Uh, Robot Holocaust and Mutant Hunt.
1: Right, right. Yeah, if you were to take all the
0: charm out of it, yeah, they'd be exactly like those films. So Tim Kincaid is one of the producers on this film, but some people suspect he had a hand in directing it. Bruce Hickey had never directed a film before, and I don't think he. He made some films after this, but they weren't in this genre or with these people. So maybe the relationship wasn't good there. But I have a feeling that Charles Band and Tim Kincaid had their hands all over this because it feels very much like one of those gritty New York urban, but also fantastical films that they were churning out. But the music for this one was also done by Don Great who did the music in Mutant Hunt. Uh, the music here was borrowed from a bunch of other films, though. Um, all Empire and Wizard releases. I don't have it up in front of me, but you can... I can tell the music's recycled, but I really like the music in this movie. Do you like it? I could not tell it was recycled. So,
1: i you know, I have no preconceptions to judge it on that that front. It sounded traditional... 80s, you know, synthesizer, you know, nonsense that you normally get during the stuff. And it was pretty cool. The ending theme was was pretty catchy when I was letting the credits run.
0: I really like the song that starts it off the uh, the rock and raw song or whatever the lyric is. Um, And I like the one where she dances in the apartment a lot, but I just looked it up. And most of the music score is from Trancers, Eliminators and The Alchemist. So if it sounds familiar, that's why. But it's all Don Great music. And he did the score for the, the films we watched the other week. And I really like his work in general. But yeah, lots of synthesizer, lots of like new wavy action music from the 80s. Let's talk briefly about the story, right? So the, our movie starts in the, six, in the 1600s, right? In New Amsterdam and we see a a witch who is interrupting the the marriage ceremony of this couple and then we flash forward to present day New York where she has been reincarnated and is i'm not sure what her ultimate mission is but what do you think of the story i
1: specifically remember being like a third of the way through this film and having no idea what the plot be or why i'm watching it <laughs> I mean outside kind of... you know the scope of this podcast, I had no idea why I'm watching this film. <laughs> I, you don't get an idea of what is going on until maybe the last like fifteen minutes of you in and then you can you can get the gist of the whole picture, but I don't know how you can write a script like that and just expect people to go along with it without any issues.
0: I go along with that without any issues. I mean, I see what you're talking about, but I enjoy this film a lot, so I'm, like, on for the ride.
1: All right. You know, actually, if if you want to create a script, if you want to write a script, that's that's about figuring out what's going on, right? I think you need to make what's leading up to the explanation, like, infinitely more interesting or, like, more mysterious at the very least. Like, you have to add more, maybe, like, dreamlike logic or, like, nonsensical shit to, like, really make you think what is going on. Instead, it's just, like, I feel like I'm reading a book, but there's, like, some chapters missing.
0: <laughs> yeah, it...
1: And then at it, the end, I, 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 like, find it.
0: <laughs> there is definitely some ineptitude here, right? And the I like how periodically throughout the film, one of our main characters, Henry, who is, like, a preacher and a drug counselor and, like, a New Age mystic all rolled up in one, but he'll suddenly know things about what's going on that he didn't know before. And he'll just inform us of what's happening. And it, it's almost like that was the voice of the director saying, well, we have to explain what's happening because people are totally lost now. <laughs> like, but, do you think they went back and shot those scenes? I I don't. I think they might have like roto or uh, retrofitted some of this with you know script changes and rewrites. I I couldn't find much about this film, um, but it was written by Bruce Hickey as well. Also, his first writing job. So it, we're not we're not dealing with either an experienced uh, filmmaker or a prodigy. But our main our main witch character is played by leanne baker who the first film i ever saw her in was was psychos in love which i think she made after this movie but she was in all of tim kincaid's movies in fact she played a small role of a pleasure droid in mutant hunt she was in seven movies overall um, bad girls dormitory and breeders both tim kincaid then Necropolis, then Psychos in Love, which was also a wizard video release, then Mutant Hunt, then Galactic Gigolo, and Riot on 42nd Street. I'm not familiar with those last two, but that that was her career. And then as far as I know, she retired from acting. She wanted to have a family. And she said that she wasn't, I think she said something like she wasn't willing to do what it would take to get to the top. That's kind of
1: ominous. Yeah.
0: yeah, (laughs) But um, maybe that was unique to the world of like empire pictures and Charles band. I don't know.
1: Wait, wait, are we throwing out some, some allegations against Charles band here?
0: No, I'm no, I'm not accusing anyone of anything The she could have been talking about the types of roles she would have to accept or the, you know, inferior paycheck she would have to take or be getting nude on camera that she didn't want to do any longer like I don't, I don't know what she's talking about but something something about the business wasn't for her but I think she, I think she's the main reason to watch this movie I, I don't see how anyone can
1: hold that against her that this is definitely not the sort of um, career path that is for everybody starring in films like necropolis and galactic gigolo
0: (laughs) yeah hey it's more movies than i've been in
1: okay so uh early on in this film she is in a dance scene and then about maybe 15 minutes in the film she's in another dance scene i thought this was going to be like a continuing theme of like synthesizer music video dance-a-thon yeah but that was it. It was just those two
0: scenes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> did did you like them? Did that them? strike you as odd? <laughs> it it strikes me as very odd, but I also
1: really liked those scenes. Do you think maybe that was the original plan that they were just gonna have her like interpretive dance for Satan every like 15, 20 minutes? And the director was like, Oh, wait a minute.
0: <laughs> wait. I don't I don't know if anything was even that thought through. I think it's possible that some days like Tim Kincaid came and directed. And so the movie has a different vibe or maybe someone in the middle of the movie said, you know, we really need some sexy scenes, like some sex appeal scenes. And but maybe Leanne Baker didn't want to show her real breasts. I mean, she shows some prosthetic ones later on. But, um, I, you know, who knows? But, for whatever reason, these scenes are here, and I really do enjoy them on a in a campy way but also i I think Leanne Baker's really sexy, so I appreciate watching her dance i
1: I do think they she actually does show her actual body, although very briefly, yeah, before we are um blessed truly blessed by seeing <laughs> to to see. What is probably the only reason <laughs> this film is on this list? Or not, I'm sorry, on this list, on this podcast.
0: There's lots of reasons I, I love this film, which we'll get into um, and why I think it fits. But the only thing about her performance that I'll, 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 I'll all out knock is that while I buy her characters in the modern day setting, I do not buy it as a 16th or 17th century witch with this New York accent and dark eyeshadow and bleach hair. She looks yeah. a little
1: out of place. Yeah, that's the thing that's out of place about this film.
0: <laughs> Actually, everything about that 17th century scene, like the sets don't look remotely real. It's it's kind of i almost wish that it didn't have that part that we just started in the present day
1: so it's established that it's like set set what 17th century new amsterdam or some shit yeah and 1686 uh, great And, and uh i'm assuming that the preacher is also a preacher in his previous life is that what's what's being established
0: or maybe he was a witch hunter. I don't know. He was he was something that it was involved with tracking down witches.
1: Man, you know, a lot of the stigma of being a witch hunter is thrown out the window and it's actually witches you're setting on fire. <laughs> right. It's like educated women. Is this like whitewashing? <laughs> the the uh the, like the, the witch
0: the witch trials in Salem. I think you're giving it too much credit. <laughs> I feel like if you're totally inept in your racism, then your racism is not the racism I'm concerned about. Wait, racism or sexism or any sort of prejudice, right? I'm just, I'm just saying that ineptitude kind of softens the blow.
1: Inept. (laughs) (laughs) That's, that's the quote. That's the, it's, is that like the quote of the show
0: right there? I don't know. I mean, I, f- I I find it hard to get offended by something that's failing at at giving offense. But um, I don't think
1: this movie is trying to be offensive, though. Um, uh, you know, is there's probably like one there's one really far out there exploitive scene, right? But I don't think this film, unlike a lot of the stuff we cover, is trying to shock the audience. Right. I don't think that's there.
0: No. And I don't think that's there of uh, that. That's there in most Charles band associated films. Like they often do really do seem like they don't seem mean spirited at all to me, like whatever else they might be. They don't seem mean,
1: you know, yeah. For a movie with murder and suicide and prostitution and drug abuse. This is a lighthearted film. (laughs)
0: It, I mean, it kind of does feel light. I don't know how else to explain it. This is a film for me that like I put in on in the background all the time because I enjoy like seeing bits of it and hearing the music and stuff. And I don't really have to pay attention to what's going on. So it's a really good background movie. But that's only it only works because I like it. Um, but it, yeah, it's it's not a movie that you want to pay too close attention to. And it's not going to have any great impact on you.
1: It's entirely possible that we are just so jaded from watching shit that is way heavier and way more grotesque than this film that this just, we're bulletproof to this shit. It just slides right off us.
0: And that's entirely possible. But let's play the trailer and then we'll go through the story.
1: From Full Moon's Grindhouse Collection which babe of the past reborn as a butch biker of the future a holy man hunt on her trail
0: has never left my side my guess is that someone or something is sucking the life force out of these people it's my street. not anymore
1: evil Dancing, sexy stereotypes, drag queen hairstyles, mega-breast ectoplasmic lactation, strange unexplained erections, satanic suckling sewer mutants. The Metropolis is Necropolis, where they
0: love New York to death. So yeah, that's the trailer from The Grindhouse collection release but uh, i wish we had an an older trailer uh, um a trailer from 1986 but it's entirely possible there isn't one yeah i guess so So, well i imagine there would have been uh, a trailer on like this was released on lightning video which was like a wizard subsidiary i think or a a new label set up by band i don't know but um I, i imagine it would have been advertised on other vhs tapes I have one more to try. Let's try this one. She's 400 years old, but she's still full of the devil. You want to sell me your soul? She's about to fulfill an ancient curse. You will never kill me. I will walk this land again and seek my revenge. She lives beneath the streets with the undead. Move and show yourselves. And only she can control their evil powers.
1: <sighs> the city uh-huh. of Necropolis. That the best you can do? This bitch. That's the devil you're looking at. <laughs>
0: it's a nice place to visit but you wouldn't want to live there what, what is that tagline you'd like <laughs> to visit
1: it, but you wouldn't want to live
0: there <laughs> it's, it's almost better than the one on the VHS which says it's the ghoul's night out oh wolf and then on the back it says beneath hell lies necropolis the the box kind of works some plot on top of the movie. So I, I just want to talk about what's in the movie. I love the way the present day setting starts because we see Eva in sort of this grungy section of New York. She interacts with a, a weird pawn shop, which is also kind of the dude's house. And she meets this minister, Henry, who is also also runs a community center where he takes care of people who have been addicted to drugs or committed suicide or are homeless. And like, he's basically a community social worker. What did you think of this character? So
1: we're introduced to this character after um, Eva walks in, runs into him in a men's restroom, right? At the, drug rehab facility right and i wasn't certain at first if this was the same guy that we saw at the very beginning because the whole idea of reincarnation hasn't very well been established except for eva herself yeah but it is the same actor it is the same actor it's it is definitely going to be the same guy but at this point they don't have any prior knowledge of their past selves as far as i'm aware no so that's the i think this character is very convenient like obviously he's a good person because he is a not only is he a man of the cloth but he's also (laughs) running a he's also running this he's in charge right of of this clinic for uh does does it say what kind of drug abuse it be
0: i think um general drug (laughs) yeah we don't we only meet one kid who's a parent who's supposed to be having withdrawals and we know he was an addict but we don't know what he wasn't addicted to
1: Well, we are also later introduced to his wife very briefly, who we get the impression was also on drugs at one point.
0: Yeah, I I don't know how that relationship started. It's everything and nothing in this movie is like fully fleshed out. It's like you see little glimpses of things, which I know it is a flaw, but I kind of like it because it's almost like a slice of life thing where you're just seeing little flashes of what's going on over this 48-hour period or however long this is, all right? Um,
1: Anyway, so you established this earlier. This guy's entire purpose is to be the good guy foil, right? He's the guy that knows what the fuck is going on, and he's got to explain it to the audience for those of you who are lost trying to follow this fucking story.
0: Yeah, this actor, though... He's not good, but he seems, for whatever reason, really authentic to me. Like, this seems like a real person. Yeah, no,
1: it feels like you took a real person and stuck them into a movie involving witchcraft and uh, reincarnation and zombies. Yeah.
0: I I like that about it, though. Like, I, I like that. I guess this is true of all our main characters. I think they're all bad actors, but... The way they look and sound and their mannerisms make them feel like real people. And I do think they fit their characters. Um, They're all just fairly inexpressive or unexpressive, whichever is correct.
1: Let's see how expressive you be after getting reincarnated over and over again.
0: Yeah, well, Henry's the only one who is, I guess, aware of some of his past lives. He says that in one lifetime, he was a slave, and in the next, he was a slave owner. And he's been a woman many times.
1: And Dawn is in the same boat. She believes in reincarnation for whatever reason, but isn't quite as um, knowledgeable as the priest be.
0: Yeah, then Don, have,
1: and then we have Billy, who just doesn't know shit.
0: Dawn is an NPR reporter, and I will say she has the NPR reporter cadence down pretty well. But she has supposedly just come here from England, and yet she has this long history with Henry, who has done seances with her in the past and was her introduction into the occult. And she also has deep connections with the mayor because she's able to call him and get um, Billy to uh, to let her ride in his car. So she also has a lot of really convenient connections.
1: Yeah, this lore is absolutely rife for a, a prequel, isn't it?
0: They they did make a sequel. No it, way. It came out. I think it came out in two thousand thirteen. I have not seen it.
1: Is is it literally called Necropolis 2?
0: I think it's called Beyond Necropolis or Beneath Necropolis. Something like that. Hang on, I'm looking. It's called Necropolis Legion. IMDB calls it a reimagining. Do you want to watch that? <laughs> I, I, I don't really want to go into a tangent about the sequel. Or remake whatever reimagining whatever it is.
1: Okay, okay, okay.
0: But yeah, so somebody somebody wanted to make the sequel to this. What about uh what about Billy? What do you think of him?
1: Hey, I'm a New Yorker I'm from New York. <laughs> I'm, I'm Italian. Italian.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Billy yeah, they- here is supposed to be a police officer, but uh he, he is only a detective by name only this guy basically walks onto the set wearing you know leather black leather jacket blue jeans says a a couple of uh cliche lines about dead bodies and and then fucks off
0: (laughs) yeah as authentic as the other characters feel there is not a moment where i believe billy is a police officer
1: there's there is a scene at the very end where he Puts one of those little uh, siren klaxon things on top of his car his regular ass car and uses it to drive down the street while speeding that is that is about the the most police thing about him
0: there's this nice little exchange where he's talking with don because they've quickly struck up a romance as inexplicable as that might seem um and uh She's like, do you like wine? And he says, I'm, I'm Italian. I was weaned on this stuff. And then later on, he offers her beer and she gets to say, I'm uh, British. I was weaned on this stuff. I don't know. It's, it was really dumb. That's, that's what passes for like character building in this movie, though. Excuse me. The, the
1: attraction is not inexplicable. Because in the introduction of the film, we are shown that these two were joined Well, at least in the process of being joined in holy matrimony before the witch Eva, for whatever reason, tried to stop
0: it. I don't even know what she was trying to do. What the fuck was she trying to do? All right. So if it's the same thing, there's there's a while during the movie for the first two thirds of the movie where it seems to be that she is trying Eva is trying to get revenge on these two because they spoiled some sort of ceremony she was trying to do that involved stopping their wedding back in the 17th century. But then in the last quarter of the movie, we find out that the ceremony involves sacrificing a virgin and Dawn is a virgin. And so she will fit the the need of the ceremony. So maybe that's why she was important back then too. We're not really told. Because as
1: soon as you say "I do," you're no longer a virgin. Is that what I'm getting at? In the 17th century,
0: or whatever I, the
1: fuck took place.
0: I don't know. Maybe they thought that the vows created, you know, instant insemination.
1: Okay. Well, you know this. This is a movie where crosses are anathema to monsters, uh, you know, from from hell and the undead, et cetera. Right. So maybe the bonding of a um, cis white couple. <laughs> well, it is so powerful that it will deflect, you know, the the ritual, the satanic ritual she's trying to put on them.
0: Maybe their child would turn out to be the anti or the 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 reincarnation of Christ, the second oh. coming of Jesus, or something.
1: You know, this movie really should have gone that angle, huh? I- and then that would mean their reincarnation and inevitable rejoining would have been, as uh, you know an attempt that the whole movie would have made an attempt to, to stop that, that linkage again, you'd have a reason to, to, to root for Eva in this case, right? she's like, Oh my God, like her entire livelihood or existence would be abolished. If the second coming of Christ happens.
0: I, I, on the one hand, I can think of so many ways to make this a more sensible, normal, a successful, I guess, movie. On the other hand, that would make it more normal. And I like how weird it is. I really enjoy living in the world of this movie, however it came to be.
1: You can still have the world of this film and just have the general plot make some fucking sense.
0: I don't think you have to sacrifice one to have the other. And I think repeated viewings help some. But we'll see if I have any wisdom to impart, if I can answer any questions. Um, oh, I see. So this this is not a
1: straightforward narrative. This is something that's meant to be experienced multiple times so you can take the knowledge of the end in consideration when you on a, on
0: further rewatches, right? Perhaps. Yeah, okay. So let's talk about what might be my favorite scene, which is when Eva first shows up at the pawn shop looking for the Devil's Ring because she saw it advertised in the paper can we play this scene how fucking convenient
1: is it that she was able to look in the classifieds and find satan's legit (laughs) (laughs)
0: also did while you're pulling up this scene did did you get the impression that eva was just reincarnated as an adult or that she never died and she has lived all of this time, or that she went through like a whole birth and childhood and everything. I am glad you asked
1: that because this is a pet peeve I have with just about every reincarnation film. They never talk about how gruelingly torturous it would be to, to have the full knowledge of what it's like to be an adult and be raised as a child and go through all of that bullshit
0: again. Can you imagine that shit? I definitely can't imagine that for Eva. And I definitely can't imagine that for Eva. Her whole personality is like, fuck you,
1: man. It really feels like she just emerged from a pod somewhere in the field across from the Twin Towers. And that's the start of the the modern day in this movie.
0: See, you could have a scene where like, because the devil's ring has been found, she is raised from her slumber. Or something like you there is a way you could make this make sense but in, oh, it, yeah. as like, is it just seems like convenience you would have
1: like a really shitty grave like anonymous grave at like the bottom of a junkyard and she would just like emerge like a like a fucking flower in like her full leather get up for no reason short hair <laughs> and she would just waltz into the fucking city to get this ring
0: <laughs> yep that's how I'm going to imagine it. But let's play this scene.
1: What can I do for you, baby? I come to the ring. Ring, hearing, anything you want. Ruby girl. You baby? No. Where is it? I do charge many top this people. I got your contract. Big agent, baby. Stop bullshitting me, man. I saw in the paper you advertised the ring. Ooh, you got fire. I like that, baby. You want the ring? I got it. No problem. You want the party, baby? I make one call. No line, no waiting. French table, champagne, coke, anything you want, Rudy, get through.
0: You don't get
1: me that ring. And I'll hang Rudy by his balls. By the balls? Yeah, I dig you, baby. I got the ring. You want to go Atlantic City?
0: Frank Sinatra. A personal friend, First-name basis. Give me a hand, baby. Ooh, it's a nice hand. Yeah. Beautiful. This ring
1: is best. Rudy God, is magic. This is bullshit, man!
0: I want the ring. The devil's ring. I saw it advertised. So stop wasting my time.
1: Ring you want, but, but I got better merchandise. I got gold. You want gold, baby? I'll get you gold.
0: I want the name of the person.
1: What? This it. crazy. You're lying. Yeah. This black dude. Scary, he say. Rudy really tell anything. Terrible things happen.
0: I fucked around with you long enough. I, this, I love this scene. I love it because he seems like an authentic, weird New York pawn shop owner. And I like it because... She is so ridiculous. She just walks in and she's like, I want the ring. Give me the ring, man. Like she, he has no idea what she's talking about.
1: She at least says, says the devil's ring. (laughs) Not that I would expect a pawn shop owner to know absolutely every single item he's been advertising. right?
0: Right. Well, apparently this was a special advertisement because, uh, Henry recognized it and came in to get it.
1: You know, look at the storefront. This is a legit storefront because there's like so many little details here. There's a dollar that's like taped to like one of the shelves. It's probably like, you know, the first dollar they ever made. It doesn't look like a pawn shop, though. This looks like some new age hippie shit that, you know, the director probably has connections to.
0: I, whatever it is, it feels very authentic to the 1970s or the 1980s in New York, and it, I love it. I, I love the guy who plays the, uh, the pawn shop owner, who eventually, she, she can speak telepathically to people, and she, can, she makes it so his ears um, basically rupture and bleed out, I guess, because he was afraid of going deaf. He experienced some deafness as a child. I actually, I actually found all the ways she messes with people in this movie to be truly like horrifying and disturbing. Knowing what I know now
1: about this character, it's actually an, a miracle that she doesn't just walk in and immediately kill him to get the ring.
0: Yeah, because see, I mean, she's not exhibiting
1: much patience, but but this is more patience than she gives anybody else in this film.
0: Well, once she gets the ring, she goes through a whole act when she meets Henry pretending like she's a runaway kid or she's on drugs or something. But she gives that up after a few minutes. It's like she doesn't have the patience to follow through on it. What did she think was going to happen? That he was just going to hand over the ring? Why doesn't she just
1: like immediately kill this guy for the ring? Because she doesn't know the safe code? This is a movie where Later on, she gets to a padlock and just like destroys it with Satan magic. Why can't you do that with a safe? I think she needs the ring to do it. Oh, she had the ring at that point. Right. Did she have the ring in the 17th century? I'm assuming so, but we don't, I don't think we see. It's kind of hard to tell because she's dancing in in front of a fog machine.
0: (laughs) There's a lot of dancing with fog machines.
1: No, I do not see a ring. So it's really strange that this ring becomes like a major plot point, right? Or maybe it was like an afterthought. Like they filmed all of this shit in the past. And then after that, the director that came on scene that day was like, oh, yeah, ring. Yeah. What What if this whole movie was done like ad lib style, right? Where, you know, you have somebody start the story and then the other guy has to continue it. And then someone else has to add on to it. But there's just like two guys juggling it. You know, kind of like what they did with the new Star Wars series, the new Star Wars films.
0: <laughs> now, I, I I, definitely get that connection. That's what I was trying to say earlier with the like, maybe there was some inconsistency with the vision here. But I, I think a lot of this feels ad-libbed and a lot of it feels ad-libbed by non-actors. Like the guy who the way we meet Dawn is that she's interviewing Henry and this kid. Or this young guy who was an addict and Henry helped him get off drugs. And this guy seems like a real person too. Like he seems like a real kid who strung out or, um, you know, used to be a male prostitute, which is what he says he used to be. Uh, He seems real sincere. Did he strike you that way? Yeah. And I just realized that
1: in the, the intro of this movie, Eva actually gets the bride and sacrifices her. Right.
0: Like she actually manages to get it, but she wasn't a virgin. Was that the problem then? I think, no, I think it worked back then. I think that's how Eva has survived all this time or how she was able to come back or whatever happens.
1: It feels like someone who gets sacrificed in a satanic ritual shouldn't be up for reincarnation. I feel like there's there's something there about your soul, your identity that should be shattered.
0: Well, Not they they even tell us that Eva is able to suck people's souls out and turn them into ectoplasm,
1: which is great. It's just that's just great.
0: And so, just to this is a tangent, but to get the the life cycle right. Eva seduces somebody, then she or or convinces them to hurt themselves, then she sucks out their soul, and then their soul comes out of her six breasts as ectoplasm, which her zombie disciples nurse from. That is the process, right? Yes, that is the process. And so what
1: the the film, the scene that we're introduced that introduces this concept to us is very sudden um no lead up whatsoever outside of the fact that she you know has some zombies waiting for her in the dark and i think this is really the the reason why this movie probably sticks out in the minds of the those who you know dredge the trenches of like vhs movies like 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 this what more do you say what more do you say about this you're watching six prosthetic nipples leak, like not even milk. It looks like just like a white, uh, like
0: it looks like semen. Sugar. Yeah, like semen, maybe. And, and I think so. Remember, this is a Tim Kincaid film. He's the producer and he's known for gay porn. I think if you watch this movie with that eye, there's a whole lot of homoerotic imagery going on.
1: Right. I think at one point the priest tells us that like ectoplasm is like a necessary function for the heart. And that's why all these people she is seeing are dying from heart attacks.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, I think it's supposed to look like semen dripping out of her nipples. Um, and this it looks like this is supposed to take place like down in the sewer, but it looks like a warehouse with like painted walls. Um, it is a warehouse. I th- if, but I don't think it's supposed to be. I think it's supposed to be a crypt or a sewer or something. It's some place where all of these zombies have been hiding out for like four hundred years. But anyway, did you appreciate this scene, the nipple scene?
1: Yeah, I, I think this is. If you're gonna do one thing with Necropolis, you're gonna you're gonna load this film up, skip to about forty minutes in watch this nod your head solemnly that you have just seen this this happen people participated in the scene for you to watch and then uh, you can turn the film off
0: (laughs) so so if you if, if somebody had gone to the theater and seen this in 1986 do you think this could have like birthed a new fetish for them do you think this this fucked up anyone's sexual taste for life?
1: Man, that's opening a whole can of worms. Like, you you're talking about maybe like what some some kids sneak into an R rated film, thinking they're gonna like, yeah, titties, and then all of a sudden, whoa, six titties, and then oh oh no, <laughs> I mean, butter, six titties.
0: <laughs> there are people online who draw really weird porn like this. I, they have to keep, be inspired by something.
1: Right. So like then these kids go home and they're like sitting in bed and they're like reflecting on their day and then like this, this is just like an image that never leaves their mind.
0: They start sketching it in their school notebooks like the six-titted women whose tits leak semen, but then it becomes a complex sexual fantasy as they grow older and then they start writing stories online about it and drawing comics and then they're making the live action adaptation with plushy costumes i don't know it could it's a whole black hole that you could sink
1: down hi mrs martin this is leland i'm a guidance counselor at your son's school and we have found some disturbing artwork in (laughs) some of his
0: homework yeah so all of that could have i could definitely imagine that happening
1: Oh my God, the amount of therapy it would cost to, to try to scrub this from your child's impressionable brain.
0: Let's talk about who might be my favorite character. And that's the medical examiner. Do you remember the medical examiner? For
1: like the two
0: scenes he's in. Yeah.
1: Is he supposed to be like flamboyant or just really sassy?
0: i'm I'm not sure, but I want to play the scene where he's talking to he's talking to Henry after the guy slit his wrist
1: so again, to review Eva spends a fair amount of her uh time in this film convincing people to kill themselves, yeah, it's them on it's... like their dark past and horrible thoughts that they you know, ultimately decided to abandon. And then she just kind of goes into their subconscious, pulls them up and uh, gets them in a moment of weakness, like some weird satanic mind control.
0: Yeah. Or she convinces them that they're into her, that they like, there's a part where she meets this couple on the street, cat and snake. And she convinces each of them that they're actually in love with her and she uses that to insinuate herself into their close proximity and suck their soul out.
1: So the setup here is that she has convinced one of the priest's co-workers into uh, slitting his wrists with a switchblade, which does seem like a really awful idea to keep around a uh, home for troubled youths like this, or a facility for troubled youths.
0: Doesn't she give it to him? Yeah,
1: she pulls it out of his desk
0: oh okay yeah let's see what my man benny has to say so what's the shot benny the reverend here seems to think it was a murder no murder it's suicide honey all right the dead bodies are my business okay rev baby it's too late to save this soul i don't care what he thinks this boy didn't do this to himself all right time out time for you and me to have a little chat okay rev baby now look I don't come into your place telling you how to take care of all those kids on drugs. So don't you be coming in here telling me how to do my job. This character feels like he came out of a different movie to me. Yeah. Uh, He's really ridiculous.
1: Like if the, the guy who plays the preacher is like a totally normal person who just found themselves lost on this film set... This guy was on his way to a different film set and got completely lost into this film.
0: Do you think that's really how how he sounds on a day-to-day basis? There's no way anybody
1: sounds like that on a day-to-day
0: basis.
1: (laughs) You could say that there are people who definitely force having an accent on a day-to-day basis, and perhaps you can file him in with that crowd. But no, you have to purposely live your life in a very specific way to sound and represent yourself in this fashion. It is it is an effort.
0: Do you think that he uses terms like rev baby?
1: Rev baby, honey.
0: <laughs>
1: There's a lot of baby in this film. Everyone's calling each other baby. I mean, it is the 80s. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's everywhere.
0: So at the end of this evening, Billy ends up at Don's apartment. What do you think of her apartment? I specifically remember a giant white light globe. Yeah, it's, it's a very like industrial sort of modern loft style apartment with, you know, exposed brick wall and um, exposed, you know, piping on the ceiling and stuff. But her like her table that they eat at, they, you sit on the floor and her, mat- her bed is just a mattress on the floor. Like everything is really low down, which really contrasts with the super high ceilings. I don't know. I really liked it. It was really cool to me.
1: It does have a weird like Asian fusion to it. But her, 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 uh, what, her futon bed is fucking massive. It looks like they slammed two king-size mattresses together on the floor where do you find the mattress cover and like bedding to fit some giant behemoth bed like this?
0: I don't know, but I I do. I do like her whole vibe, even though I was thinking like there's a moment where she's cooking Chinese food and she's, but I think she's wearing a Japanese outfit. uh, And she refers to what people believe in the Orient. Um, So none of this would be uh None of this would be near an NPR reporter in 2022. And I just found that ironic. <laughs> if, if There's a lot of mixed matching of cultural appropriation here. Yo, her dry cleaner
1: has to fucking hate her whenever she has to do the, the fucking sheets. Like, can you just imagine <laughs> the, the giant bundle that she would be walking into the office with? The office, the fuck, the cleaners. <laughs>
0: what did you think of her and billy's relationship like did that did it seem natural no
1: it's incredibly forced but at least the, unlike most other things in this film at least there's a plot consistency here that the only reason they are in you know inevitably linked so quickly is because they had that prior connection and you know we can argue about the non-specified uh, details of how this happens like maybe you have soulmates that are constantly in this world. You have like soulmates that are constantly rezzed next to each other or reincarnated so they can constantly meet forever. Or maybe this is like a, a once in a lifetime cosmic event. And we should be in fucking awe that two people in a city, the size of New York managed to stumble across each other and reconnect.
0: Yeah. And it's not just their romance that they inherit during one of these scenes where they're having dinner at her apartment. He tries to kiss her neck and she freaks out and she's like. First, she freaks out and says, like, oh, I don't like being touched there. And he says, but my lips are soft. (laughs) And then she says that she's had this thing about her neck since forever, and she's seen 10 shrinks to try to figure it out, but none of them can tell her what it is. And that's from her past life of having her throat slit, I guess.
1: Yeah, by Eva.
0: Yeah. But he he tells her that it it might be a vitamin deficiency because she's vegetarian and that if she only ate some meat that he cooked, she would probably get over it.
1: Wait, doesn't she make like Chinese food like chicken or something like that for one of their meals?
0: I don't know if they I what do they do they tell us what it is that they're eating? I just yeah. remember Chinese.
1: Yeah, they do. She mentions some kind of chicken.
0: It's probably in my notes. Hang on a second. Kung Pao chicken. Yeah, yeah, she says she's almost done cooking Kung Pao chicken. So yeah, there's some inconsistency going on here. Inconsistency in my necropolis? Yep. We're I we're gonna talk about some other ones too. Like I feel like the the, the rules of all of this keep changing. Like, when you find out that it has to be a virgin, that's like out of left field. They haven't mentioned anything like that before. And then later we find out that the purpose of the ritual is so that she can gain eternal life. But again, we never heard anything about this before either. So it just kept, feel- it, it feels like they keep adding new things into, into the mix.
1: Okay, no, this makes sense. So... I don't think there's any aspect of vengeance going on here on Eva's part. What we see in the beginning of the film is her ritual succeeding, right? She gets a virgin, she sacrifices uh, her to Satan, and her reward is being reincarnated, I suppose, in some sort of fashion. But here Eva is going through all this trouble to be reincarnated when apparently everyone else is already being reincarnated. Why are you jumping through all these hoops?
0: Maybe maybe like we said, maybe she does get to live forever and she's just been an adult all this time.
1: Mm, perhaps.
0: I think that would be preferable to being reincarnated as like a baby. Oh my
1: God, yeah. And then having to go through middle school repeatedly. That's yeah. Awful. Just leave me dead, please.
0: Let's talk about the scenes where Eva interacts with the, the sex workers on the street. Fuck out of my face with that oh. John. Okay, ladies. Stop. Huh? Look. Ain't shit out tonight, Eddie. You have to think positive, huh? You know, put out that energy. I put out, baby. I've been putting out since I was twelve. Ain't no Johns out tonight. Yeah. Remember you know what I told you about mental pictures, huh? You think about tricks and they will come. You know, goddamn regular whore, Goddamn lady.
1: Again, this movie is very wholesome compared to what we're normally
0: <laughs> accustomed to. I don't know. She interacts with this group of sex workers on the street, and the movie never really tells us why. It's it's just sort of an aside. But they have a pimp who has, like, a ridiculous, you know, uh, archetypal furry robe thing on. But they get mad because she's moving in on their territory. What the fuck are you looking at? you baby you buying or selling what do you think i think if you're buying i charge a hundred and if uh you're into anything kinky i charge more and if i'm selling
1: well then you better move your fucking ass off this block because only eddie's girls work this corner
0: what do you think of these interactions with the the Girls on the street.
1: What I really noticed this time is that they're completely outside, right? Yeah. But as Eva is walking on the sidewalk, it sounds like high heels in a closed like auditorium. Like you hear the echo, the pum, pum, pum. They actually means they took the time to sound edit that in to show her power.
0: Hey, I I, I like I really like all the visual and auditory aspects of this movie. Like, I think it's really cool. But these these scenes, I couldn't decide if they seemed authentic. I think they look authentic. They seem ridiculous, though. Like, they're really funny to me and over the top. And I don't really know why they're happening, except that she wants to meet men to suck out their ectoplasm.
1: It feels like she has ton of different avenues she can investigate to get ectoplasm it just seems weird that she's deciding to choose uh prostitution johns but i guess you just kind of go with what's available
0: they they get in a fight later on in the movie and the main the head prostitute candy stabs her in the stomach with a knife a few times but it doesn't do anything and uh when the pimp intervenes he, he and uh, Eva like each other. They or she sit, manages to seduce him, and uh, he says, "I'm gonna fuck you to death." <laughs> and I, I really liked that. That's kind of the tone of these scenes. Of course, she ends up licking ectoplasm off of him. Yeah, no, it, I would
1: really like to talk about the preacher's wife, a character that comes out of nowhere. Never mentioned at all in any capacity up until this scene. Does she even have a name? I'm just going to assume she doesn't have a name.
0: I wasn't sure if this was his wife or if this was like another young person he would helped. Oh, God. Did I misread this? I think her name is like Rose. Rosa. I think she's there to take over for him, like take over the shift.
1: So maybe they ain't married but they they obviously have something going on right but the fact is that they just brought this character in just to have her kill herself in front of the the preacher to just traumatize him to give him a like a personal vendetta to take on Eva like as if he didn't have a reason already
0: yeah i mean they kind of do that with each of the victims there first there's the the kid who The male prostitute who she makes think that he's um, in withdrawals. And then there's the guy who she tries to get to kill himself. And he eventually does slash his wrist. Right. And then this is the third one. This is the woman he gets to shoot herself in the head. But in each case, we don't know anything about these people. We just see them on screen so she can manipulate them. It's really the same with Snake and Cat, the the couple she meets on the road.
1: It, it just, this scene hits different because it's like you're bringing in a spouse or a loved one as, as like a, a symbol, as just simply as a catalyst and not a person, just to try to like push some sort of emotional point that isn't met because this movie is definitely not something that anyone would take seriously.
0: Yeah, I think it's because... I think they're just trying to show that Eva is taking away from him his life's work, right? Like he saved all these young people's lives by teaching them how to cope with their problems, but she makes their problems seem overwhelming. And so she's undoing the progress he made, basically. That's how I thought of it. All right. I'll meet you there. But this eventually he becomes like our chief Warrior, I guess, fighting zombies, and uh, nothing seems to hurt them except crosses. But crosses in this movie can be like thrown, like knives, and uh, they seem to effortlessly, effortlessly pierce through zombie bodies. They're very effective. The uh, the preacher in the past had a crucifix
1: dagger. Like the handle itself was a cruci, like a you know the top of a cross, and then the, the dagger blade came down to form the, the shape in this modern day world you don't have sick fucking relics like that so you have to go like out into central park and gather some twigs and then fashion them into a cross and then these magically are able to pierce through a zombie's like
0: you know
1: r- tough satanic armor
0: oh, one is even like really easily beheaded <laughs> with one of these little
1: wooden crosses yeah, and it it screams without a head. It just screams and and waves and its arms around. Yeah,
0: <laughs> it 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 was kind of funny. There's a scene where he Henry tries to give Billy one of the crosses, and Billy says, "I'm not waving no cross and won't take it." But then when they're attacked by a zombie and the gun does nothing, but the cross defeats it, he decides he'll take one. So let's talk about eva's death scene what did you think of of this They killed her with twigs man yeah we don't even really see it billy cuts her hand off with the devil's ring on it but otherwise they just throw a match and the place like explodes oh they stabbed her too they stabbed her with the twig crosses ah but she seemed to be recovering from that like, I, I thought she was going to make it until, you know, it exploded. I'm like Okay, so if she was
1: stabbed with, like, with any normal stick, you know, obviously it wouldn't do anything. But this is a symbol of the Lord. You, don't, you can't just walk away from something like this. She's going to have to, like, enroll herself into some sort of, like, satanic hospital to recover. But she doesn't get the chance. No, because... Her hand is amputated, like you said, at the wrist. And the priest is adamant that they need to get this ring. But Billy has already rigged this entire building to explode with just a a single, what, couple gallons of gasoline? Yeah. Yeah.
0: And they're like, we gotta get out of here now. How did you put a timer on this shit, Billy? We don't see him pour gasoline, I don't think. All we see is at one point he throws a match. And that's it if flames erupt on the floor and then they run out of the building and then the whole thing explodes. Yeah. I hope no one else was living in
1: that building. Like Jesus, like it was, this is like a multi-story building, like
0: four or five stories at the minimum. It cuts off the camera cuts it off. Well, they were victims of the plot's necessity. That's what we just have to accept their sacrifice for this movie that we got
1: collateral damage for divine judgment. Against, like, the agent of Satan? Is that what we're going with? Yeah. Okay, sure.
0: But yeah, so Billy and Dawn don't seem to think that there's any need to find the ring because, like, Eva is defeated. Um, But her hand comes back at the very end and strangles Dawn. And I guess Eva's soul takes over Dawn's body? Is that how you interpreted it? Yes. And... Dawn starts talking like Eva and dressing like her. And we she kind of coaxes Billy into bed. But we know that like Billy knows that something's not right, that she seems different and he's scared of her. But we don't really see what happens. We just see her walk out dressed like Leanne and smoking.
1: I'm assuming that uh, he gets
0: ectoplasmed. That's what I. Yeah, Just fucking walks out into the street. And that's it. To continue her reign of terror. Now she can truly be, well, no, I guess she still needs to find a virgin to sacrifice.
1: You know, this is kind of a loophole, though. She did figure out a way to prolong her life by just possessing somebody else. I mean, you don't have like your blonde bombshell body, but hey, man, you take it. You take your extra life.
0: So you want to get to final thoughts?
1: Yeah, you know, they like totally didn't wrap up the priest side of the story, huh?
0: No, they really don't. We just uh, kind of leave him.
1: He's like, guys, we got to find this ring. I've known what I've been talking about this entire film.
0: Nah, we good. <laughs> we don't need you anymore.
1: The plot does not require you. All uh, right, well, better luck on the next reincar, I guess.
0: Uh, maybe they were leaving room open for a sequel, and it just never came.
1: Well, didn't it? In like 2013?
0: Yeah, but it doesn't have any of the same actors in it, I don't think no
1: they could have the same characters potentially
0: maybe someone check it out so we don't have to and let us know (laughs) please we don't have to all right let's give final thoughts and ratings out of four for necropolis
1: i i have had my cards on the table face up the whole time i don't really think this is a great film i do think there is a masterwork scene about 40 minutes in with amazing energy that I will not be forgetting anytime soon. But I, I just kind of wish that some of that bizarre satanic magic kind of leaked over into other parts of the film. I'm starting to have a feeling that maybe they decided to film this scene, like they filmed this scene and then Charlie Band or who the fuck ever was like, wow, we just, we need to make, you know, other stuff to go with this. We can't just have this one scene. And thus, Necropolis was born. The script is so disjointed. It really feels like, as we mentioned, that a different director came on set every day to change the direction of the film. Very little consistency. I know you're not watching a movie like this for some sort of like sprawling narrative experience, but if you are a filmmaker and you're not going to have some sort of consistent narrative, then you need to have some other hook that is going to keep the audience engaged to try to figure out what is going on. And unfortunately, this kind of fails on that front. You do get some really awesome, like, 80s, like, traditional 80s, like, fucking horror action stuff going on with, again, with... every scene eva is in is probably like the you're watching this movie for eva right you're watching a movie about eva it's a biopic about eva and then every now and then while you're trying to watch this shit some guy named billy and dawn come in and like fucking start ruining your movie you're like what the fuck is going on go back to eva continue this for like an hour and 20 minutes that that is necropolis that's what you're looking at here worst case scenario go 40 minutes in watch a six-breasted telepathic satanic witch breastfeed her recently resurrected zombie army with ectoplasm that she pulled out of people's heads and then move on with your life. I I I, as much as I like all the parts of Eva, this is still a movie that has non-Eva parts, so I got to judge accordingly. I'm going with like one and a half stars here.
0: Yeah, I mean... Leland definitely has consensus on his side. If you look reviews of this movie up online, they're pretty abysmal. I think, all right, so on IMDb, it has a measly 3.8 out of 10. Uh, but inexplicably, I really like it. And I I honestly watch this all the time. It It's... I am under no illusions that it's good. I think the acting across the board is wooden and flat and bad. The script is unbelievable. It's disjointed as the Leland said, it feels like they were kind of making up the rules of the universe as they went along. The reincarnation stuff is half-assed and I don't really know how it works. Um, I don't know if Eva has been permanently alive or if she is also reincarnated. Um, I just don't know, but with all that said, I I love the movie. I love the the setting. I like movies that take place in seventies and eighties New York a lot. The sort of grungy, authentic feeling street corners and you know bodegas and tiny, uh, weird pawn shops like they seem like real places. Aside from her demon lair, which or her um zombie chamber which looks like a warehouse and not a sewer but otherwise I feel like the the scenes look really authentic I I like Leanne Baker a lot I just I think she's fun and hot and a decent actress and she's a compelling villain here her dance scenes are awesome the music even if it's lifted from other places is cool I really like Henry as a character and I find the whole setting kind of unique and interesting the whole setup I should say um like the nature of these characters we don't often see and we don't often have a reverend who is also the uh head of a nonprofit center for wayward youth and an NPR reporter, and a New York cop, and a 17th century witch, like putting a movie together, and it's it's a cool setup. I enjoy it. Um, so I don't really know how to rate this movie. I'm really torn. Um, I'm gonna give it three stars, with with the recognition that that is entirely based on my enjoyment of the movie. And this, it, there is a a lot of ineptitude here. <laughs> so you've got a Appreciate these movies for unintended reasons. But that's it for Necropolis. Next week is the start of, ha- of October of spooky season of Halloween time. And so we would like to switch our format a little bit and do a themed month for October. We're going to do four different movies all set on Halloween and really celebrate the holiday during this fall so should we just keep the movies a secret and y'all can find out as we post them i think that's fine i mean we may also want to switch the order up who knows ah okay so these will be surprises um they're movies that i think a lot of people have seen but that are not the repeatedly and exhaustively discussed halloween films so Hopefully, we'll bring you what we always do, which is something a little different, a little outside of the mainstream. Until then, you can follow us on Instagram at video.store.nightmares, where I post everything we do. Leland, any last words? Thank you for your continued support. And thank you for listening. We will talk to you next week about, well, it's going to be a surprise, a Halloween surprise.